Welcome back to NLP's Young Professionals Network podcast, Growing in the Green Industry. Your hosts of today's episode include myself, Miles Caparis of Include Software, Neil Glatt from Grow the Bench, Luke Melangrano of Mariani Landscape, and Brett Lemke of RM Landscape. How's everyone doing today? I'm good. Doing well, Miles. Oh, I just feel the energy. Just feel it. Oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm so feeling this air conditioning. I'm liking it a lot right now. That's good. That's good. Um, so we have a, a special guest today. Uh, Luke, would you mind doing introductions for us? Absolutely. Uh, today, joining us on our podcast is the one and only Frank Mariani, CEO of Mariani Landscape, which was founded by his father, Vito Mariani Sr. in 1958. It began as a small residential landscape maintenance firm working primarily in Chicago's North Shore. Today, Mariani Landscape specializes in high-end residential landscape architecture, construction, and garden maintenance. Frank brings his extensive knowledge of landscape maintenance to the design process, resulting in projects that are not only beautiful, but sustainable. Frank is passionate that landscape design should improve with age, and this insight has resulted in numerous design awards for his firm, whose work can be seen throughout the United States. In addition to Mariani Landscape, Frank also owns two sister companies, Mariani Plants, a 700-plus acre wholesale nursery with locations in Illinois and Wisconsin that provides top-quality B&B and containerized plant material to landscape contractors throughout the area. He also owns Hampshire Farms, which is a 50-plus acre and 1 million square foot wholesale greenhouse that produces over 400 varieties of top-quality perennials for Home Depot stores throughout the Midwest. Frank serves on the board of directors of the National Association of Landscape Professionals, is the president of NALP's foundation board and current president of the Children's Brittle Bone Foundation. He also serves on the board of directors of several other companies. In 2018, the National Association of Landscape Professionals honored Frank with their first Lifetime Leadership Award. Frank and his wife Sherry reside in Lake Forest, Illinois, and have two children, Frank Vito and Alexandra, and, and son-in-law, John, and two grandsons, Joey and Anthony. Frank, thanks for coming on board. My pleasure, Luke, and, and thanks for uh, that propaganda. You really did a nice job. I mean, I didn't know I had all of that stuff. So <laughs> you were thinking that one big time, you know, they, the founder of the company, right, big bosses on the thing, and Luke, you did well. You, you Thank you. <laughs> you know, uh, Miles, I mean, everybody who's listening to this, they're not going to see uh, the video, but what's with all the, the facial hair? I mean, you and I are like babies. What's going on here? No, I know. Yeah, all these all these other guys have beards like... Quarantine. Uh, like it's like ZZ Top. Yeah, you know, you I, like the, I like the buck the trend. <laughs> it's the mic, it rubs up against it. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I want to thank you all for the invitation. you got a great team right here. Um, all of you are the future of this industry, and it really, you know, makes me feel terrific about... Uh, what we're doing at NALP and what we're doing as the green industry, because uh, you're the future and the future to me looks very bright when it's represented by the likes of all of you. So thanks for inviting me. Uh, I appreciate it. And I think what you're doing is a great thing for the industry. We certainly appreciate you taking the time to uh, share some of your wisdom and experience to uh, learn from one of the greats here with, with all of our listeners. That's right. We want just wisdom, Frank. We want the wisdom. <laughs> 
Okay. Yeah. yeah so, um, so we're going to start off with some questions, but uh, Frank, just to kind of give you what we're about here. So at the Young Professionals Network, we're trying to create a community uh, of like-minded people and the cohort of, you know, young professionals under 40. So we're trying to hit people who are just getting into the industry, starting their careers or people who are, um, or else people who are just young in their career, right? So we like to bring on guests to bring on perspective for that time, you know? Um, so really excited to hear like what your perspective is on, um, on a lot of things, but that's kind of like, that's kind of what we're, we're going for here is, you know, to maybe help do you think about when you were, you know, when you were in your twenties or thirties or, um, going into your forties, you know, what was your career like then? Like the decisions that you've made, um, things that you wish you knew or things that really helped accelerate you to kind of where you are today. And that helped made that helped make you, uh, that helped make you, uh, make that helped made you make good decisions going up. Yeah. That's probably a better way of saying it, but, um, yeah. So kind of going with it, going into this, um, what are some like high highlight milestones early on in your career? Um, like when, how big was the company when you, you kind of took over it and when you started to. My, my dad passed away in 1973 at the age of 45 from leukemia. And, uh, I was getting out of high school being the eldest of five at that time. Um, we liked to eat, so I needed to run the company. And it was basically that simple. So um, uh, took over. And uh, my dad, although he, uh, we found out in early spring that uh, his prognosis was not good, the doctor said he would last a couple months. And my dad did everything he could to teach me everything about the business he could possibly teach me. Uh, and he actually lasted the entire season. And my, our priest told us it was because he wasn't going to leave <clears throat> until he had given me his wisdom and showed me how you open up the business in spring and how you close it down in fall. And I truly believe that is why he lasted that long. And that's the kind of man he was. Um, so I, I had been involved. On my on my mom's side, my grandfather had a small nursery, 63-acre nursery, and a little design-build firm, although they didn't call it design-build back then. It was just landscaping. And I worked for him. I, I really enjoyed the nursery business because being a young man, you know, I enjoyed driving tractors and bulldozers and trucks and all that good jazz. And I enjoyed plants. Um, but then I got a quick uh, understanding of the maintenance business with my dad that last year. Um, in 73, still got the tax return. We did $90,000, but my dad was a hell of a lot better businessman than I was. We, he declared 30. Uh, so that's pretty good return. I haven't been able to match his plus 30%, uh, uh, ever. Um, but I'm going to try, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's the size. So we had, uh, we worked between oh, about nine people. And I was thinking about it this morning because I was going through some history. And uh, we had three trucks. And that was that. And um, I can tell you, you know, we didn't do snow plowing at that time. So I'd get a big shiny lock and put it on the garage door and, and basically shut down for the winter and go visit friends that were at schools 
And uh, because I felt sorry for myself because I, I didn't get to go to college, although I wasn't a great student. So that would have probably been a waste of money anyway. But uh, what I would worry about is would we have any customers when we got back to business in the spring? And I swear to God, to this day, it still drives me. We're going to lose every client, you know, and I'm relentless in the pursuit of client customer happiness. I mean, I think it's, it's essential. Um, I never really paid much attention to getting to $1 million or to getting to $5 million or getting to over 50, which we're at now. Um, those, those weren't really important to me. I don't care how many trucks we had. Um, I'm not that interested in how many people. Um, you know, I know we go to these different events and you hear about, well, I got 50 trucks, I got 500 people, who cares? What I care about and what drives me is having people like Luke, Lucas, who, who think that this is a good company and where he can make a career versus have a job. That to me is the most gratifying thing in the world. It's one of the reasons why we do have over 500 associates. And right now we have over 30 that have been with the company, and they're part of the 20, uh, quarter of a century club. They've been over, they've been with us over 25 years, some of them as long as 40 years. Um, I don't think that happens by accident. By the way, one of those, one of the gentlemen, and there's women involved too, but one of the gentlemen is a laborer. And, uh, you know, I, I, to me, that blows me away that uh, he still wants to be part of our team. So those are the kind of milestones that are more important. Um, when I look at those milestones, I think entrepreneurs and maybe a lot of them in the green industry, they focus too much on top line. You know, I'm a top 100 company. Okay, that's great. Well, there's a lot of companies that aren't on that top 150 list or top 100 list or whatever top it is. But when it comes to net profit, they would exceed a lot of those companies that are on that 150 list. I think we need to focus in on profit because profit, especially during tough times, be it recession, be it assassinations, be it 9-11, be it this pandemic, you better have some money or the ability to borrow money. And so, you know, we need to teach fellow uh, uh, landscape contractors that it's important to have a plan that's not just based on growth, but it's based on profitability and it's uh, based on good sound business practices so that you can withstand, you know, the things that come up. God knows, I never thought half the things that have happened to me would ever happen. Uh, yet we've been able to not only survive, but thrive during tough, tough times. And this is one of those times. So to me, those types of milestones are more important. The other thing I'm going to say is that too many times I go out and speak to different groups, whether it's Trailblazer or whatever the case may be, and they talk about, well, you know, we hope to get to a certain side so we can afford to do budgeting, or we can afford to do strategic plan, or we can afford to have a career path for our team. Guess what? You need to do that from the day you open, even if it's you and your wife. You know, and by the way, it's much easier to put these different disciplines in 
the place when you're small, you know, because you're doing everything yourself anyway. Um, one of the reasons that I grew the company is if I'm going to get up at 4.30 in the morning, uh, I don't want to be the only one getting up. I, you know, I, I like to share the pain with other people. But the other thing is, is that, as I mentioned, I didn't have a college education. I took plenty of college classes and I, you know, I'm a, I, I take advantage of any learning experience I can have. But I felt that I could always go out and get landscape architects. I could get a CFO. I could get uh, MBA. I can hire people, uh, great horticulturalists. I can hire people that are a hell of a lot smarter than I am. And they, in fact, make my job easier. And the reason I've grown the company is I don't want to lose those good people that I have. I don't know how to keep people without offering them opportunity. I don't know how to offer them opportunity without growing the company, hence 90,054 million. It's that simple. So, so what, so Frank, to that point then, what, what folks or associates in your world uh, were sort of your milestones? What, I guess, what roles throughout the, uh, this time frame would you say really propelled the company, uh, be it a, um, a, a, an individual or just a, a, a title that you thought was very helpful in the next, taking you to the next level? Well, um, there's different, th by the way, Luke, Luke, you didn't tell me that I thought it was just miles. You asked me to quit. You don't let Brett ask questions too. Well, yeah, I can't, yeah, control, I can't control him. <laughs> you know, he can be a yeah. little insupportable. I hear you. All right, I'll try to get over that. I mean, he's, anyway, not even, he's not even supposed to be in this group anymore. He just eclipsed the 40 mark. Yeah, no, it's 40 or under. He's, he, he just hit it. Listen, he's 40, me. I'm only two days over 40, okay? Yeah. So I'm, I'm allowed to be here for a little longer. By the way, that was a, an excellent question, and, and I can give you a couple different examples. Uh, externally, I brought a consultant in, uh, George Koziar, which, Brett, you, I don't know if you remember George, but George – George was, uh, ran a company called Sinistet, which was in Chicago. And that was, you know, a company that I really looked up to. Uh, they did beautiful design, build, maintenance, uh, some maintenance, not a lot, but mostly design, build. Uh, they had a very a great touch, both Ralph Sinistet, the uh, senior and junior, and then his son, Matt. And... Um, they also had a beautiful nursery. I used to buy a lot of plants. And George was their president. Got, he was a salesperson for them. Got his MBA at Kellogg, you know, Northwestern, and ran that company. And for some reason, they had some kind of disagreement. He left and started doing consulting. He was also president of Illinois Landscape Contracts Association. That's where I really got to know him. And I hired him as one of my first consultants. He had me focusing in on what we started this conversation about, which was profitability. He also tried to encourage me to shy away from building a family business that was built on hiring family members versus just building a family business that was built on having a great family that rewarded great performance and it didn't have anything to do with your last name. So he was a mentor to me, he's still around. I, I thought that he really was the most inspirational person that, uh, and I've had several, uh, but he was really key. 
uh, when we hired Frank Vena, uh, who happened, who's our construction production manager. Uh, so one day over drinks, I'll tell you about that, but I actually hired him away from my uncle who was a competitor. Uh, but he brought uh, an approach to landscape construction, which not too many people have. I mean, I think I'm pretty good at things. He's better. That changed the way we went about doing landscape construction. My brother, John, landscape architect from U of I, uh, when he left school and came to work for us, um, we started doing design build. Um, he's no longer with us um, because I wanted to go in a direction which got away from design build and went more to landscape architecture. And somebody can hire Mariani for landscape architecture. They can hire us to build something, whether we did the design or not. They can hire us to maintain it. There are three separate companies within a company. And chances are, if they use us for one of those, they're going to use us for all of those. But I want to get paid for landscape architecture. And we have one of the largest. And I think we have the best residential landscape architecture team in the country. And that happens because they've got a separate building, they have a separate vibe, they don't have vibe about them, uh, which is really focused in on creativity. Um, they're not worried with the other details, but the little things like that, that I think that, that make working at Mariani special. And we've added people like that throughout, you know, my career at Mariani. I firmly believe that our team has been and will continue to be better each and every year because of the people that we keep and the people that we attract. You know, one of them is on your panel right now. Uh, you know, Luke is a vast improvement over other people that were in his position. He put down production manager, but he's also client repping. He's kind of a, a hybrid. And he's also involved with NALP. And, you know, his future is extremely bright, only limited by us in leadership roles, not understanding what kind of potential people like Lucas bring to Mariani. And I think we're pretty good at it, but we could always be better. So, uh, Frank, there, there are so many cases of individuals that came and impacted you know, we hired somebody named Jim Osborne, and Jim Osborne is uh, an herbaceous expert like no one I've ever met in my life. It's not an exaggeration. When Rosemary Veary was alive, she'd come from England, worked on a big project that we did in Lake Forest. She wanted to sit next to Jim Osborne with his short sleeve shirt on, his pocket protector, and about 14 pens in there, you know, as big as, you know. All he cares about, all Jim cares about is plants. I mean, it took our fine gardening department to a level that had never been at before. That's what great people bring to a great company. Um, when we first started out, we did 90,000 basically mowing and cultivating and sweeping hardscapes and doing some cultivation and pruning and things like that. Then we started doing landscape architecture. Then we started doing the build portion. 
Then we added, uh, you know, we've got the uh, rows department. I mean, we did vertical integration. Then besides that, we've got separate companies because I wasn't happy. Sinistead Nursery was gone. Some of the other nurseries, the only thing they seemed to be able to grow were boxwood and red dogwood and juniper and, and uh, Austrian pine. That didn't do it for us. We were going to the West Coast buying uh, Columnar Beach. We were doing so we just did it ourselves. Uh, that vertical integration is very, very important. Adding snow, adding firewood. You know, somebody comes up with a good plan, we're going to try to do it. If it improves our clients' experience, we're going to do it. The one thing I did learn is often you'd have Frank Vano, who was a great construction manager, but I'd say, well, he's doing such a good job with that. Let's give him snow. So now he was doing construction and snow. You can't do that. If you're going to branch into something else, pick an individual or a couple individuals and let them take carry the water and take that new, whatever it is, path that we're going to take, let them develop it and have enough time to do it and do it right. So that's Frank. kind of a roundabout. By the way, that's how I'm going to answer all the questions. I never stay on track. So sorry, that's, but I can't apologize. I'm too I think it's great. I'm loving listening to it. Um, you talked about uh, so many good points and certainly when you're a large company, you do have that opportunity to uh, provide opportunities to other people and, and provide more great positions, which I think is um, the ultimate reason to do it. As you say, uh, I have a similar experience of growing a company from 1 million to 40 million on the snow side um, in a short period of time. And what I know is that it's, it's such a different experience particularly for leadership, right? At those various stages. I'm curious to know what you miss most about the pre-top 100 days. Nothing. <laughs> so, uh, um, you know, I, I, I got to tell you, Neil, I don't, I really don't, uh, you know what, I guess there's two things. I used to know every client and I used to know every associate. Those two things, Plus, I'm getting old, so I can't remember my own name, let alone other people. But um, um, that, that uh, you know, when you knew everybody, it was a little bit more fun. I mean, I think that's fair to say. Then again, I have absolutely no regrets in building what I built because, you know, especially during t times like this, you know, between our three companies, we have over uh, – Let's, let's say 1,100 employees. We call them associates. We've had five COVID cases. Five. Do you think that happened by accident? That happened because, and we started right up even before our illustrious governor said we could go. We were going. Um, and but we, we invested in cleaning all the equipment. We invested in the masks. Before anybody had the towels, in the gloves, in the social distancing, and we're staying on it, and we're relentless. Plus, we broke into teams, and so those five that got the virus, we sent anybody who was associated with them home for a week, not just tested them, home for a week. Guess what? Not one of them was infected. So what that tells us, those five obviously picked the disease up at home or wherever. But the good news is, is that because of the practices that we've in, 
you know, initiated here. It's kept everybody else safe. And that makes me extremely proud of our team. But you got to be a little bit of a taskmaster to make sure that happens. Because, you know, especially it's 90 degrees, it's not fun wearing those masks. So, you know, but that, that's what we do around here. And that's, you know, it's, it's our job to keep everybody safe. Um, and, you know, I think we're being, doing a really, not I think, I know we're really doing a great job at it. Now, God knows what the future will bring. You know, one of the things that concerns me is, you know, as things loosen up, which, by the way, I'm not a big, you know, I don't mind making rules, but I hate to follow them. Uh, you know, as things loosen up, uh, we're going to have to be careful. You know, so. So what's your advice to uh, people that are within companies right now looking for opportunities to grow? Maybe their company they're with now is a little stifled, a little not the right path. Is this the hang tight, see how this comes out, get out, find the right company? I mean, you think the marketplace is out there? Or, I mean, there are people trying to figure out if they should just start their own business, right? And, and then well, all of us I mean, here are fairly entrepreneurial. Like, is that the right move? As, as I drive to work each morning, there's a new landscape company every single day, sometimes more than one. I go back and think about my dad. When my dad started, hardly spoke any English. Um, and then when I, you know, took over, when he passed, you know, people were not crazy about Mariani because we were growing. And, uh, you know, I wanted to be the next Brickman. I wanted to be the next Sinistan. I wanted to be the next, a lot of these companies are gone, damn guard. Um, well, guess what? There are companies now that look at Mariani, they want to beat our pants off. God bless them. You know what I say? That's what makes this country great. And guess what? The better they are, the harder we're going to work. I always equate it to the swimmer, Phelps. You know, he touches that wall first because he looks left and he looks right and he knows who's going to pass him and he doesn't allow that to happen. We're not going to allow it to happen either. But in the meantime, I like the fact that our competition is always getting better and they want to knock us off. That's what makes this country great. What's made Mariani a great company. So does that answer your question? Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, I, it's trying to help folks that I think that probably, you know, I think of all those that have graduated this past year and they're looking for opportunities and we didn't get to have a successful NCLC event, you know, cause that hit during the prime time. So some of that recruiting opportunities are gone. Um, and, and I suppose those with the drive will find their way to internships and find their way into their careers. And I think this industry is still very active and saying, you know, if you've got an interest in being a part of this industry, come on board right now, we've got spots for you every day, but it's, uh, it's just what are the what strategies do they need to take on when companies may be saying, well, I, I don't know if I should be growing my team right now. Well, um, you want to know something? I'm on this call for two reasons. Three. Number one, Luke asked me. Number two. Thanks, Luke. NALP. Number three, somebody's going to listen to this and they're going to say, you know what? I'm going to send Frank Mariani or I'm going to send Lucas a resume. So I, I'm networking and promoting my company right now. And that's why, you know, 
I don't know if you guys know this, but I, my wife and I, we both got the virus. It was nothing. Uh, the only thing that's weird uh, is my taste and smell haven't recovered, but it's been great for my diet program. And, uh, you know, I haven't been this light since I was a sophomore in high school. So, and I'm, I'm serious. So I'm glad I have it. I can do anything. Brett, you and I could kiss right now. I can't infect you. So, Thank you. This uh, is virtual. We're still virtual, right? Like, just to be yeah, clear right. to our audience, <laughs> we're not sitting in the same room. That will not happen, occurring. But you know, the the deal the deal is is that I was uh, I did several speaking engagements, and I was on the airplane all winter. I'm sure that's where I probably got this. But I, I go on those. You know, everybody said, "What the hell are you doing? You're 66 years old." I love going and meeting with Miles, well, really his mom, not so much his dad, but, you know, I love making that, seeing McCutcheon, seeing Fotchman, seeing Brett, seeing, you know, I mean, the, these are, this, is not, this is my extended family. In the meantime, anytime I get up there and speak, guess what? I'm promoting Mariani Landscape. I'm not going to go and steal one of your employees, but if one of your employees want, wants to become an associate of Mariani Landscape, that's your problem, not mine. Because I'm going to portray my company in the best possible way that I can portray us. And, you know, that's why I love the fact people say, well, why would you have Lucas? You know, somebody's going to steal him. Somebody, I said, well, first of all, if somebody doesn't try to steal him, they're idiots, number one. Number two, to try and create a, a situation where he would never want to leave. That's my job. So. You know, it's all opportunity. I think right now, everybody that's participating amongst us, this small group, we know who the good companies are out there. We know where we should advise a young or even older person looking for a second career or third career or fourth career, what companies go to and what companies they shouldn't go to. But I can tell you right now, we're hiring. And we hired during the last recession, and we hired during 9-11, and we're hiring. So, Agreed. Agreed. you know, that's, this, this you is know, a good so opportunity. The, the sky is bright, uh, especially with the government giving away more money than, you know, paying people more than they can earn, you know, at 15 to 20 bucks an hour. That makes it a little bit more tough. So I tell you what, there are a lot of jobs out there. And, um, and, and there are a lot of great companies looking for great people. So, Frank, in your opinion, what are these other companies who are losing talent, potentially to you, not doing right for their people? And, and what do their people want to be receiving? Um, because a lot of times people say, well, I can't afford to pay them more money, which is what they assume they want. And I'm guessing that it's not just pay. Well, I, I can tell you the... Another great question. You know, one of the, uh, I used to think people were much more motivated by money than they actually were. I was also surprised that some people would appreciate not only just a $5 Starbucks card, but a pat on the back and some recognition. I think what they really appreciate more than all the above is a career path or an opportunity for advancement. And there are so many times when I felt, and this is where I failed, uh, one of the many times I failed, but, you know, somebody knew that in my mind I had a game plan for a rising star. 
and yet I never articulated that. So therefore, someone else picked them off. And then I'd say, well, God, Jose, I was just about to move you from crew member to crew leader. You were one week away. Yeah, right, Frank. Well, you know, I didn't, I didn't spell that out. There was no opportunity for them to understand that. And we lost the associate. Bad on Frank. So, you know, I, I think that a career path, and the, by the way, this is where, you know, the larger your company is, it becomes much, much more complicated, but we have to do it. The other thing that's, that's interesting is that I thought everybody was like me. When I was 16 years old, I was running a Napa auto store. The guy owner literally came and saw my dad, unbeknownst to me, and said, hey, Vito, I'd like Frank to be my partner. My dad said, he's a sophomore in high school. What are you talking about? He goes, he can run my company. Why don't you? And, and right after that, my dad got sick. I wouldn't have done it anyway. And my dad wouldn't have let me because he thought education was important. But, you know, I thought everybody was like me and they always want to claim, climb the ladder. I, I mentioned earlier that one of those 25-year associates is a laborer. Guess what? We need 25-year laborers. You know, and not everybody wants to be a chief. Oh, can you say say that right now during this politically correct world? Well, I'm going to say that. You're, you're, we're not, we're not the committee to advise you on that, Frank. I really don't care. No, not everybody wants to. I like to be judged by how I treat people, not what I say. So anyway, um, I I think that we do need laborers. We need great laborers. And we need people that are great managers and, you know, and anything in between. We have to create the opportunity for people to understand where they can go. One of the things that was really, really helpful in the old days, you got a raise because you were here two years instead of one year, three years instead of two years, four years instead of three years. It didn't have a, nothing to do with performance. Well, this is where I looked at a union uh, in masonry. I said, wait a minute. If you were mixing mortar, well, guess what? That pays a flat rate. You're going to be at that rate with just cost of living bumps. If you want to make any more, you have to learn how to be a bricklayer. And if you want to make more than that, you have to learn how to be a crew leader. And by the way, so we defined all those roles. And now you don't have people coming and saying, well, you know, I want to buck more. Well, guess what? The cost of living was 20 cents. So you're getting 20 cents. If you want to make a buck more, here's a criteria. When you've learned that or you've expressed a desire to learn that, which we will help you, even pay for the education, you can move up. It eliminates a lot of disagreements. You know, instead of I've been here five years, I deserve more than I did when I was here one year ago. Yeah, you do. Cost of living. If you want to make more, you got to expand what you can give back to the company. That's, you know, little things, but it adds up, right? So Frank, on top of that, I think that's really interesting. Um, on the flip side, you know, we kind of always talk, we, it's just come up in a couple of conversations that we've had before about how it's easy to like, from a manager's perspective, say, this is what we need to do as managers or as employees. Um, to tell to tell our fellow employees that are underneath us. But I guess flipping the perspective, what do you look for in a young person or a student that's rolling out of college or several years into the career and they find that they're stuck 
they're not able to communicate that that same message of you know how you're saying like well it's my job to create a space where i don't want this person to leave but sometimes i feel that uh some either there's like a there's a reason that people don't either communicate that they're they're looking for advancement or they don't know what they want what what do you think is like an appropriate way for people to kind of call you out as a manager that where you might be in the busyness and the grind and not giving the attention that's deserved but it might be up to the actual to the person who's looking to move into a career to say hey frank knock knock i'm i'm looking to move like i i i think number one you got to encourage honesty and open dialogue and stress that my door as a manager is always open. I think you also have to create the criteria for success. One of those is to let everybody know, guess what? We're not going to have a conversation about career advancement or how burnt you are in May through July 4th. Because quite frankly, if you're not exhausted, you're not doing your job. I mean, we're in the landscape business for Christ's sake. You know, that particular time is, you know, it's everything I was going to say was dirty, but you're working hard. All right. <laughs> so you need to work hard. But if you set it up where pre spring, post spring, you can have an open dialogue, communicate. This is where we see the company going. This is where we see you going. These are the opportunities. I can't tell you how many landscape architects work for Mariani who are no longer drawing on a board. I do wonder sometimes when they're, on, when they're in school between two and five years for landscape architecture, why they didn't figure out that they didn't want to be drawing or using computers. I'm aging myself. But, it's but you know, one of the things we do at Mariani that a lot of other companies don't do they say, look, you may want to be a fabulous plant buyer. You might be a great project coordinator. You might be a terrific salesperson. You know, who knows? Maybe you just, maybe there's a career within the four walls of Mariani, interior and exterior walls, where you could find yourself being a lot happier. So why don't we explore those opportunities? It's so, it's really communication, you know. These reviews that a lot of companies do, and we get stuck into too, sometimes it's just kind of mundane and it's just, it's checking the box. I don't like anything that's checking the box. So you can say, well, I get done. By the way, you're talking to a guy, if I decide I'm going to walk 10 miles, if I'm looking at my watch and it's 9.99 miles, I'd rather kill myself than not get the 10. I'm going to get the 10. So I got to check the box. So I'm a, you know, some things I think checking the box is good, but guess what? It has to be that you really accomplish something. Checking the box when it's simply checking the box is a vast disservice to your associates and quite frankly, the company. Hmm. So, you know, you got to have these reviews that are give and take. Um, and we're always trying to improve that process. Man, Luke, you just got all the secrets you need for your business. So next time you go to your review at your at the company, 
you, you just heard it from the boss, right? He, he just told you, you how mute to him. Exactly. <laughs> Miles, mute him. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't have that power. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set up my review with Frank this year. But, I mean, uh, I, in, in all seriousness, Luke, I mean, what you, you, you're hearing, Frank, um, I, you know, I don't know the path that found you to Mariani, but this is a unique experience right now with a founder and, and, a t- and an associate here. So what's your perspective on all this? And, or, and, and how does it relate to, you know, well, first off, is Frank telling the truth, right? I mean, you could verify all this right now and choose <laughs> yes. wisely how this next conversation goes. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's, uh, he, he's hit the nail right on the head. I mean, this is, this is the practices we, we put in place, you know, uh, raises. We set, up, we set up the time where uh, associates have to hit that specific threshold. You know, they want to be a level one or level two, three, four, five, whatever they have to, they have to prove to us that they're going to, that they can make it to that area. And then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll give them a raise. We, uh, we do things like, we're not, we're not having those discussions right now. We do ours at the, uh, in like end of August, beginning of September is when we, we take the time because the beginning of the year, it's like Frank said, but when we're busy, when we have a lot going on, there's, there's all sorts of things happening. And, um, you know, we want them to prove to us uh, what their what their capabilities are. Um, you know, I, I think it's important. I've learned it from Frank. I've learned it from Ron, who uh, runs our maintenance production side. You got to have your finger on the pulse at all times, and uh, you know, communicate with your team on a daily basis. I really, I really try and make it a goal every single day of mine to see every one of my guys, talk to them, ask them how they're doing, anything I need to do to make their experience better, make their position better, make their job easier, uh, whatever the case may be. So sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. Um, but you know, I think those are the things you need to do to, to help continue to grow your team. And you're going to find those little issues that you have with uh, you know, maybe it's a dissatisfied team member or, you know, they're going to open up to you eventually and say, yeah, you know what? I really, really want to do this. Okay. Well, I can go and have a conversation with the people I need to about how to help, help that person grow and, and move into to the next position. Because just as Frank is saying, <clears throat> you know, his goal is to help make a career path for, for everybody here. It's, you know, it's my job too, to, help transition that down to my teams. So, um, so yeah. So when you have a, a laborer who wants to be a crew leader or you have a, um, you know, production manager who wants to go into sales uh, and, and you take all the preparations and you coach them up and you give it a try and then you find out, Hey, this isn't working. How do you resolve that? How do you make it so it's safe for them to go back to the position where they are great or find a different one they are? How do you embrace that failure and learn from it um, without that being a real negative experience for everybody? I, I think that um, another area of failure for me personally, as I, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, is assuming that somebody uh, who was on a crew was, I mean, I would want to be a crew leader. So therefore, everybody's like me. They all want to be a crew leader. So you took a great crew member, made him a crew leader, and they failed horribly. There's no good ending. There is no good ending. Very rarely would they go back. What we've done now is, number one, we also recently had a 
uh, PC, a production coordinator that wanted to be in sales. Frankly, and I'm not a genius, I knew it would never work. They made the, we were short, somebody passed away. I think you guys all remember that. And uh, we'd lost some people to competitors and we were short on client reps. And he went into the position, hor failed horribly. And finally this spring we had to let him go. We did want him to go back in a production role, but it just wasn't the right thing. So number one, you got to do the criteria that you mentioned first, Neil, and that is really understanding what does the job entail? What tools do you need to do to be successful? Do your homework and let the associate do the homework. Do they really truly have the needed tools? And if they don't, what can we do to get them there before we put them in that position? And that's the approach. You know, let me ask everybody on this, on this call a question. Would you ever put a person as a crew leader, which requires driving a truck, into that truck if they didn't have a driver's license? The answer is no. no. I know of a few companies that may, but the answer is no. And yet you have these job descriptions, and I'll just throw it out. You need to speak English and Spanish. Now, we don't, we don't necessarily have that, but we used to. And yet 90% either spoke English or spoke Spanish. So you break the rules before you even put the person in the role. They need to have plant ID. They need to know how to, uh, to prune. Why would you put somebody in a role where they don't have all the necessary tools, unless you have a ramped up training program? I mean, there's always emergency cases and all that kind of stuff. But if you really look at the job description and do a great job of, uh, of interviewing for these individual roles in give and take, you'll have much greater success. I mean, it's, it really is that simple, you know? Um, and then, you know, one of the things where we created that criteria, which Luke could talk to you a little bit more about, but, you know, a crew member, we have all these, I like to call them mini-me's. A crew leader typically would spend a considerable amount of time as a crew leader in training before they become a crew leader. Therefore, the PC, the CR, the client rep, the uh, who the rest of you, most of you call the wrong uh, account manager, which is the wrong name, the client representative, the project coordinator, or the site supervisors, they can give you feedback on how this client rep and the crew leader can tell you how well this crew leader in training is coming along. Plus teach all the safety and everything. Client rep, the best thing we ever did is get mini me's for client reps. Because then we would tell Ed Ferner, Ed, you know, go see the girls play basketball. You've got Lucas, when he was coming up, to do your paperwork, to make the calls, to see the crew. We don't care about your hours. But the other thing that I found out is that, for those of you who know residential maintenance, our clients would fall in love with Lucas. <coughs> If Lucas was getting promoted and he was a client, full-time client rep, he couldn't move up the ladder because Mrs. Jones would say, if I lose Lucas, I'm dropping you guys. Well, so what Lucas' job is, is to take Miles as his little mini-me 
and all of a sudden let him take more of the meetings. And little by little, Mrs. Jones forgot who Lucas even was. Oh, that you happened know? before it even started, Frank. Come Pardon me? So that yeah. happened before it even started. Come on. <laughs> so you, you, you know what I'm saying. Those kind of things, you know, are very, and by the way, you create a scenario where people can actually have, you know, I laugh sometimes when people come to me at this time of the year and they say, we're just killing us. Excuse me, guys. We're, we're just uh, killing ourselves. Go ahead. Take that call. Quick. You know, you, that, that was my alarm because I got something else coming up shortly. But um, guess what? They, uh, they, uh, they, they, in fact, we've given, I think, most people quality life. You know, we do two weeks at Christmas. You know, we do, there's a Friday holiday, you know, they're going to, I mean, we basically, we want people to be judged, not on hours worked, on performance, client satisfaction, client retention, right? That's what we want to be judged by. Totally. Hey, Frank, question. So when you're interviewing, I don't know how much interviewing you do nowadays. Um, and... Oh you do, you do, you do a lot. Okay, that's awesome. I let everybody do. I let everybody do it when they get really hot, and it gets near the end. I would like to sit down, and uh, or or if I see a resume that really gets my attention, mm -hmm. you know, there's one thing that's interesting that all of you should know too. There's a lot of times we get a resume, and they're seeking a particular role, and their resume doesn't speak. A, nothing towards that role. And so people just immediately put in a circular file. But they may have some attributes, they might have some talent that would take another area of our company and make it 10 times better. And yet we didn't even look at it because we were looking for a client rep and this person happens to be a floral designer. Well, guess what? We need the floral designer. So let's not worry about what position is open at Mariani, every position, including mine, is always open. So what, I encourage people to really pay attention to any referral or any resume or any request for employment that comes in the door because you may be surprised how many people you're missing because somebody else didn't recognize the opportunity. So what, what experiences have you had, Frank, um, that make you so interested in, in being so active in that role of interviewing or screening resumes? I think um, I, I think I do a couple things. Good. One of them is I'm relentless in the pursuit of perfection and I don't care who likes it and who doesn't. That's why I like doing what I'm doing. And so I set a standard there. I love my job. My dad will be gone 47 years this November. I love coming to work. I don't know how many people do that. Not every day, but pretty much every day. I don't know how many people are that lucky. I love my team. I love my clients. Not all of them, but the vast, vast majority of clients and team. So uh, what was the question? What? What do you possess? What, why do you uh, f love being involved in the interview and screening process? Yeah. And, and why is that so hard to delegate to somebody else or teach to somebody else? I, I, I think I am teaching it while I interview with them. 
Um, typically, it's at the end of the process, so they've already done a hell of a job. It's not that I don't trust them to do it, because a lot of cases they're doing it. I'm not interviewing every single candidate. But as the more I can see, the more I can understand what we're hiring, why we're hiring. Quite frankly, I think it's a reflection of our management team, and I want to know what questions they're asking so I can help steer them. Because for me, as I said, it's a pursuit of perfection. It's the interviewing process, which means building a great team. And then it's going to the key jobs. Um, so I still do a lot of the networking, you know, meeting with landscape architects, uh, building architects, interior designers, major GCs. That's what I'm good at. And I let my president do all the other stuff that I don't like to do. Hmm. Um, so, you know, plus, you know, I, I'm hiring part of this family. I don't want to hire for a month. I don't want to hire for a year. I want to hire for a career. And I'm a pretty good judge of that because as many years as I've been in business and I've made a lot of mistakes, I've learned from those mistakes. So if I can share that experience, I think I'm being helpful. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. What questions are you chasing when you ask those questions or what questions are you looking for that are missed when it comes time to like when you're talking to someone? Well, you know, I really like to get an understanding of what drives the individual. You know, what are the things that make them happy? Can I get a real feel for if they're looking for a career, uh, which is what we prefer? Although there are other times when, you know, you're basically getting a substitute teacher, which is nothing wrong with that. But I'd like to try to ask some questions to get an understanding of that. Um, you know, chances are if the spouse is in the armed services, they're not going to be around. Now, we hire those people all the time, but it's with the understanding they might be there a year, six months, two years, five years, a career. But please do your homework. If their parents have a little uh, a landscape business or a large landscape business, chances are they're not going to stick around. There's nothing wrong with that, but understand it before you start. You know, um, you know if they've been in the public, you know, they Chicago Botanic Garden, Longwood Gardens, there's a there could be a chance there's a different work ethic uh, than there may be in a private company. Better understand that, you know. Um, so there's all little tricks of the trades. You know, that's all. That's but, cool. you know, um, I'm also kind of a gut guy when it comes to clients and when it comes to hiring associates. But I find the better I'm prepared, the more homework I do, probably better chance of success for the company and for the associate. So I like, I like that point of being prepared. It's the, uh, as it was shared with our managers, um, between the huddles or interviews, you know, you just doing things on the fly. You'll just not cover it all. You'll, you'll not control the situation to where you will understand and get the full value out of either a training or an interview. Um, and, uh, and it doesn't allow you to get to some truth. So be prepared as a, as a I think a, a part of that wisdom there. Yeah. And Frank, what do you, what do you think about, and I was, I was talking to another friend who was on a job search and he was so focused on like, I've, I've done this, I've done that. And, and when I was talking to him, I was like, have you ever thought about 
saying like, what do you plan on doing, right? Like what's your future outlook? What are your goals, right? Because you can only rely so much on your past. So I guess when I'm, when I'm thinking about people who are young in their career, like they, they look so far into the past saying, I've done all this, therefore I can do other things. How, how much are you focused on looking at people who are forward looking versus saying, this is what I've done, hire me? Or is that not really in your decision? No, I, I think Great. I think all those types of things are are important. I mean, you know, I, I can't believe that people hire somebody without asking, "What's your expectations of a typical day?" You know, and you know, I mean, if it's somebody who is in a production role, and you know, they need to be rocking and rolling at six, seven, eight, whatever the the, the criteria is. Um, you, you better understand that. I mean, I just helped a friend of mine uh, who's in the arborist business. You know, they hired uh, somebody come in, kind of a hybrid role, a little bit of HR, a lot of bit of office management. But, you know, their past experience was from working at home. This company needs somebody at home base. There needs to be somebody in that office. And, you know, I like the person very, very much. And I just laid it out. I said, Elizabeth, I got to ask you a question. How much time are you going to be home and how much time are you going to be in the office? Well, what does that mean? I said, well, it's pretty straightforward. You had a job where you could do a great job from home with a multinational company, which doesn't allow you to be. This company is based in Evanston. They need you there every day because the owners need to be out hustling new work. Somebody's got to be there. Somebody's got to be the, the anchor. And that's going to be a far departure from you being home with the kids. And uh, she said, I totally understand. I said, okay, now that you understand it, is that what you're going to do? And she said, yes. And it's, you know, this was a, a well-paying job and everything else. Now, um, you know, maybe years ago when you couldn't find anybody, you wouldn't even ask the question. And guess what? Somebody would be disappointed. So you got you to gotta ask the hard questions. You got to get out there, be honest, and, and learn from past experiences that didn't turn out so well. So, Frank, it sounds like you're optimistic about um, having enough job candidates and, and the labor pool and being able to really be somewhat selective and go somewhat deep here. <laughs> yeah, I think that um, um, <coughs> excuse me. I, I think that um, it's definitely a challenge to hire people right now. Um, there are so many things working against business in general. Mixed messages from government, be it federal or state. Uh, so it's it's uh, it's um, it's tough. So what I want to do is is spread the word. Have Luke spread the word. You know, by the way, if you're really interested in this industry, this is the best company you can work in. And um, and try to give us a leg up on all the competition. Um, and, you know, and you have to be, you know, just in that hiring mode every single day. Um, you know, think about it. Uh, the Green Bay Packers, they had a great quarterback in Bart Starr. And then they had a great quarterback in uh, 
the guy from Louisiana, what's his name? Uh, Brett Favre. Then they have a great quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. Well, right now they're planning on their next great quarterback. We all need to be doing that too. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers doesn't become part of the team and part of mentoring the next great quarterback. So there's always a place for somebody, but you got to be looking to improve the team. And it's not necessarily, you know, in, in sports, it typically goes with young and, you know, because that's what's important. That's not what we're saying here. I mean, we've made some hires. Lucas can tell you some, some of our competitors and people throughout the country who joined our firm in the last couple of years, they're superstars. I mean, they're absolute superstars. And, um, uh, they found something at Mariani that they didn't find at their past uh, place of, of work. And, you know, we want that message to get out there. Same thing with an intern. You know, I think, you know, and I'm excited to say this, but between Ed and, and getting Luke more involved, you know, we really have to do a good job. This is not day school here. You know, it, it's not, you know, just an opportunity for somebody to, come and have a fun couple months or weeks or year at Mariani. We want people that have a best chance of being successful and then looking to us as their career. So we got to do a better job of, uh, of vetting interns because that's a major expense. And you know what, if you're not demanding a certain level of performance from your team members, you know what that is? How many of you have either gotten rid of somebody or been at a company where they got rid of somebody and everybody came up two minutes later and said, man, oh man, it took you long enough. Oh yeah. You know, so what does that say about your management skill? So, you know, that that's where I'm at with that one. Actually, now I'm thinking about my management skills. Oh, shit. Oh, shoot. Sorry. <laughs> that one leap out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Neil, I'm kind of curious on what your perspective is um, in growing your company. Um, you know, Frank said a lot of good things, but do you see a lot of things the same way as, as you grew the company? Yeah. I, I mean, you know, my experience, one, I, I was more of a performer than a manager for the first half of my career. Right. Um, so it was, it was different. And so I certainly relate to like, you know, I was in sales and I was out there trying to crush it and, and, you know, my numbers were good. And when somebody came on board and they were just dogging it, you know, after six months, it was like, just get rid of it. Every sales meeting, you know, felt like it dragged. You didn't want to get there early for that. And it, it even made recognition of my own accomplishments feel worse, right? Um, at a big company being, they say, Neil, got this big account and I'm, I have to go, you know, stand up in front of people who haven't done anything. And it was, it was brutal, right? Um, so when those people depart, that feels good. And I think being part of a team where everybody's clearly committed to quality is so critical. Um, you know, when I moved into management, it was really tough for me, right? That was, that was the source of my greatest failures. And um, when the open communication was there, uh, cause there were years where it was awesome, 
it was it was great, right? I could I could explore that. I could move back to sales, and I did several times, right? And always found I never had to to depart the company or have it not work out. Um, in the times where open communication wasn't there, uh, it was a lot tougher, right? And um, you know, it it's I think it you know what we're really talking about is it's all about the people, right? And the more communication, the more training, the more opportunities, um, the more trust you have, that's when you start to perform. And um, I mean, we, we had the money, the profit, right, to end up at the end buying all the best technology and all the best processes and all the best equipment and consultants and you name it. But that's not what really grew the company. And uh, yeah, like Frank says, my, my best memories are you know the guy who started shoveling snow part-time in the winter who's running around in shoes nicer than i am running a warehouse now right um the kid was in prison a decade ago but had an opportunity had a drive to learn and we were able to mentor and help him and that's that's the best thing i ever accomplished not the tens of millions of dollars in sales and growth right that's that's good that's good words uh so i think we're going to start wrapping it up here um I don't know if you guys have any other questions for Frank or Frank, do you have any other things that you want a stump speech for? Um, now's your time. Otherwise, uh, we know your platforms are so limited, Frank. We're, yeah, we're uh, yeah. want to give you one here. Yeah. No, I mean, you know what? The, uh, the, the one thing I put down, <laughs> the one thing I, I put down, first of all, I want to thank you all because I really enjoyed this a lot. It makes me think and, you know, and it gives me greater ideas and it, it helps me push myself, which I, you know, we all need to do. But, you know, one of the things I think is important is, you know, part of assembling a great team is verification as you grow your company that everybody is performing at a certain level. And you got to have checks and balances in place that don't make uh, that verification difficult. But, and also, it doesn't allow people to skate, and therefore you end up with unhappy clients and other unhappy associates because they know, your team knows who's skating. They also know who's pushing. And it's our responsibilities as management to expect a certain level of performance from everybody because it's unfair to those that are performed to allow people to slack off. So to have some verification, that's not, you know, right now everybody is, you know, you know, you have to respect and of course that kind of that that kind of thing goes without saying. That doesn't mean that you have uh, you don't have the responsibility to ensuring your company is delivering to the client and your company is delivering to your fellow associates everything you promised to give them. The only way I know to do that is to verify that, in fact, it's happening. I'll just one quick little story, and then I'm already going to be late. It's going to cost me money because of you, Miles. Um, <laughs> but when a client calls up and gives us a big thumbs up, we don't share that with the team until somebody goes out and actually looks at the site. Because here's the deal. I still want that crew I still want that design director, the client rep, whoever, to get the praise, but I want them to understand 
They got the praise, plus we saw the site and it was in fact as good as the client said. Or they get something that, by the way, the client loves you, but we need to do this, this, and this, and this so that we love you too. Because it wasn't up to Mariani's standard. It's not just keeping the client happy. We have, we have to be more than the client. We have to be the chef in the absolute best restaurant who knows better than the people that are eating the food how good that food really is. Because we're the experts, right? Hmm. So that's it. I, don't, I can't talk anymore. I'm getting a sore throat. No, that's, uh, that's some good stuff. Um, so uh, we like to close out with a little, little segment called Rose and Thorn. Generally, it's just roses because we don't really like to focus on negatives, but you know, you're willing to, you can vent here on this into us if you want. But, uh, you know, uh, I guess I'll start off. And the, the rose for my, for my week has been, um, there's just been some, work has just been good, you know, and the weather has been pretty decent here in DC. So it's just been enjoying the summer and uh, getting rolling. Um, I'm looking forward to when things start opening up on Monday. I think they're going to start opening up at DC part two. So we'll, uh, we'll see what happens on that. So I'll kick it off. Uh, had a fantastic birthday week. So um, I've entered the Happy 40. Birthday. Thank you. Into the 40 life and it feels good. Just as good as 39. And, <laughs> you know, but uh, so uh, I'm just thankful for my family and friends and that like in summer is here. Kids are done with school. We're, we're on our way. And I, you know, thorn is just, it's not a thorn much as it's just that, you know, to this conversation is that relentless pursuit to, to being better, right. in the company and then being better for our fam, my family. And so this puts a, makes a lot of focus on that, that world. Yeah. I think, uh, for me, uh, I mean, I think number one, uh, having Frank on here, it's been a, been a pleasure, uh, happy to hear him speak and uh that uh, you know he's taking the time out of his day as well to 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 talk with us for a little while um you know it's been a beautiful week here so far we're supposed to have some good weather for the next day or so uh maybe a little rain but uh hopefully enjoy a little bit of time on the weekend uh go out uh, swing swing the golf clubs a little bit or go out on the lake and relax for a little bit but uh i can't think of anything really that's been a been a thorn in my side lately so and that was without a script frank he didn't even the thank you was not even written like down that. on that script there. that was genuine well my my rose and thorn are, are both about speaking uh, normally i speak uh gosh 50 70 audiences a year and uh, obviously that hasn't been happening uh, at least not in person so um my, my roses I, I got retained for a couple of gigs in january and i'm hoping they happen and my thorn is I'm going positively stir crazy. I don't think I've stayed in, in my apartment for three months like I have in, in probably seven years. So uh, I'm ready to start traveling again, but not quite able to just yet. Yeah, I'm excited to travel too. Frank, what do you got? I know you got to go, but what do you, what do you got? You have any, something positive that's happened personally or in the, in the company? Well, my, the positive thing is, is I, I have my beautiful two-and-a-half-year-old grandson, and we've got our new grandson who's one-and-a-half months old, and they were just at the house for a swimming lesson. So that was uh, that's how I enjoyed my lunch, and that's fantastic. Um, the other rose is, is that we're as busy as busy can be. Um, 
which is because of our team. So no thorns in my life right now. That's awesome. Well, um, we thank you again for joining us on our podcast, uh, Growing in the Green Industry. Don't forget to tune in next week for our next episode. As always, a big thank you to Frank Mariani for being a guest today. And also thank you to all our listeners. If there are certain topics that you'd like to hear about, please click the link in the description. We'd love to hear from you. Take care, everyone.